Hey everybody, welcome back to the Electronic Gaming Mostly Podcast. I'm Seeker127. Hey. And the gambler. I keep finding this dude turning up on street corners. I throw him onto this podcast. Well, nobody wants me here, but you know, I keep coming around. I'm like that guy that shows up at the, the door knocking on the morning. Like, I brought coffee. <laughs> Thanks for the coffee, but fuck off. Let him in. Let him in. <laughs> But yeah, uh, this week was, you know, pretty slow for news, uh, but we got a few things. Well, there's nothing going on, man. It's the week, it's the calm before the storm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a slow burn. So we're playing some slow burn games like uh, Divinity Original Sin 2. I dipped into Battlefield 1 Emphasis once or twice. Slow. <laughs> yeah. You fucking that game that will game light your time on fire. Eight hours. You play that game for eight hours. Well, we start playing that game at 9 p.m. yesterday, last yeah. night. And then it was like six in the morning, and we had what? We had it halfway through Act Two. Second <laughs> half of Act Two into Act we Three. We popped off the end of. Uh, or Dust, no, Act Three Dust. into Act Four. Whatever. Well, we, we did, did, we did all the Nameless Isle. But that's the shortest act. Yeah. <laughs> It's like you play that game, you, you boot up that game, you open it up, you have a great time, you do shit, you get three quests done, and it's like 18 hours have passed. Yep. And you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> Where'd the time go? Well, the combat takes a long time. You get really zoned in during the combat sections, but it's all turn-based. Well, it's enjoyable, too. That's That's what's incredible, is you pass that much time, and you still somehow enjoy it. Weird. No, it doesn't feel the, that repetitive. It's the leveling. Either. It's much more rewarding than WoW's leveling system. Yeah, well, that's kind of the the factual process of it that other RPG developers don't tend to understand these days. Is every time you level up, you get something, and that's what's exciting. You see that bar go up, and it gets closer, and you're like, "Ooh, we're gonna level. Let's go do this quest." It incentivizes you to, you know, do shit. Great. Yeah, especially this because it, it, there's only a finite amount of XP in this game. There's only so many quests to do and enemies to kill. Yeah. So there's well, no grinding that. anything out. They seem to have balanced that pretty solidly in terms of, um, you know, when we first played it. Uh, granted, we weren't doing Lone Wolf, but uh, it felt really grueling. Like, we always felt like we were underleveled for everything we were doing and couldn't couldn't get enough XP. And we're playing on the same difficulty, but with Lone Wolf, and it just feels like there's way more experience to go around. Well, you don't need as much support when you're doing Lone Wolf. It's just more direct shit. And that's great, because I got that one Wombo combo that kills fucking everything in one hit. Yeah, that's currently overpowered. We'll see how long it stays that way. Probably forever. I don't know. <laughs> it's pretty I like ridiculous. it. It's pretty crazy. So, if you haven't played Divinity Original Sin 2 yet... Go get it, because we're going to be talking about it, and if you haven't played it, you're not going to know what the fuck we're talking about. Yeah, we'll, we'll throw out a spoiler alert before... I mean, maybe we just start with that right now, and then... Like, why the fuck it? I think we already have. <clears throat> we got a, like, spoiler alert. Well, we probably won't talk about the story too much, right? I mean, the story is okay. It's not... The story gets kind of convoluted towards the end. Well, this is a game... That comes from a series of games that this indie dev has made. I well, sure I think they only made the first Divinity Original Sin. The ones before that, the old games, I don't think they made those. 
Well, okay, yeah. So it's not the same developers, but well, maybe, maybe it's got like one guy in there that started them or something. I don't know, or maybe they got a hold of the rights or something. You know, maybe it's like a Witcher situation where they got some rights that were previously owned by other people. You know, Witcher was like based on a book, and they put that shit out. This game is got a whole series of games that are in the classic RPG concept of like Elder Scrolls, and. Yeah, was, there's like this long-winded lore behind it that's a little convoluted yeah, if you don't okay. Divinity Original Sin 2 without playing the other one. But it's not, it's not hand-holding, and at the same time, it's not super difficult to understand what's happening. You know, you got your, you know, the elves are basically tree people. It's just hard to game. keep all the different storylines straight because your character it's will react to shit that, like, you don't remember as if you've, you know, <laughs> yeah. as if you've encountered it and well, you should I remember bet- People have talked about that those bugs, those are bugs that exist as well. Like sometimes the game, the game has spoiled things for people, and it's actually uh, I don't know if this is the original version, but the definitive, the definitive edition, which is obviously the one you should own, though, is it has spoiled. Some people have reported it spoiling things where like they had a party member start talking about something they hadn't even done, but it was their, you know, they had played through the game before, so they knew that it was something that was coming up. Um, yeah, see, but I would never know that that's a spoiler. I would just assume that it's something I overlooked in a book or some shit. RPGs, you don't really follow story that much, right? Like, you like The Witcher for its combat, not really its story, right? Actually, I mean, the story's pretty good in The Witcher. At least The Witcher 3. Yeah, but I mean, you don't... Do you, like, delve into the lore of it? Like, really deep into the background and, like, the world creation and all that shit? Like... Not really, but probably more than Divinity. I did, yeah. You understand the story of like Warcraft, for example, but you don't follow it through all the way into all the deep corners of all the bullshit they've come out with. It's like watching Lord of the Rings versus reading the fucking Silmarillion, you know? Yeah, I pretty much only really delve into the lore in uh, Elder Scrolls, and that's because I got like the collector's edition. I got the collector's edition of Morrowind like back in the day, and it came with like a lore book and. Well, I was poor and I was twelve and I didn't have much <laughs> to read, so yeah, bathroom material. Right? Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So Divinity's got an interesting concept to it. You know, you got your typical races: dwarves, elves, humans. I think what they do with elves is really unique and interesting. Well, probably not unique. Um, I mean, it's pretty unique. I don't think it's interesting. I don't like the whole uh, turning into a fucking tree thing because mostly well, I'm a little biased because. I, I wanted to play a wizard last time, an elementalist, and I did, and I was an undead elf, and all my fucking armor looked like I was a fucking tree. Like, if I stand there long enough, I'm like, where am I? And it's like, oh, you're just blending in with the fucking terrain, because you're yeah, a tree. That's, great. that's the point of it. I think, you know, most fantasy games have their elves, and usually they're, usually they're woodland people, or you have some form of woodland elves. And this one does it in a nice way. And I'm just saying I don't know because there might be other things out there that have done it this way. But the idea is like the elves are actually made of wood. They are trees. They, they're walking, living wood. And they go out into the world and do things. And, you know, that's why they wear leaves and shit as their armor. I know. It and makes it, sense. You know, I'm just saying. I'm biased because I don't like the way their armor looks. And I think it's cool the way that when they die, they turn into fucking trees that grow and root and all that shit. That's that's pretty awesome. Uh, it, it adds a depth to the world. Like, if you were to make that, 
like an uh, you know an isometric rpg it's not as engaging as if it were like elder scrolls where you're first person immersed into the world that would be interesting like every tree you see could possibly be an old dead elf or something like that yeah that, that's i don't know that's that's really interesting and the idea that they they cannibalize like they eat flesh they eat their own and it allows them to like absorb the memories of the person uh, it doesn't seem like they can absorb all memories forever. Just maybe like the most recent, like a recent memory kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, that's cool. I wish there were more gameplay elements that involved that. Yeah. Like every now and then you learn something that you don't need. <laughs> so if only but... it was as important as Scholar. <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ. What a big mistake we did not pick in that. If I had yeah, known. If you play this game, be a, make sure you choose the Scholar tag. There are just so, There's a handful of quests you just can't do. You can't read a lot of the books which allow you to do the quest if you don't have the scholar tag. And once you pick your tags, you can get other tags added as you do things throughout the game, but scholar isn't one of them. You have to pick that one at the beginning. Well, I think the mistake there is that they don't really inform you what it means not to take it. You know, pick not picking up scholar, they, they really need to inform you a little bit more of what that means. It's basically, what, what game is it where you can just like have your intellect so low that you can't even communicate with people? Is that like Fallout and Elder Scrolls? Like I if don't you, think so. I think in Fallout you can you can uh, well, what it might not be Fallout, but there's you can like take a low intellect score or something like that, and you basically have no. I think it's the original Fallout games. If you take super low intellect score, you can't even communicate with NPCs. Like <laughs> you just like grunt and shit. It's hilarious and and an interesting way to play through the game, but. They at least let you know that, you know, in this game, scholars should be like, oh, if you don't pick up scholar, you're illiterate. Well, I mean, but, in their mind, they're thinking like most people are going to play with a full party. And if, you know, someone if the player doesn't pick scholar, they'll have someone in their party. But in our situation, like spoilers at the beginning of act two, everyone who you don't pick to be in your party dies. Yeah. So here we are, just the two of us, super OP because we picked a lone wolf talent. Mm -hmm. None of us pick scholar. And all the fucking other people we can have in our party are dead. Which I think it's important to note that, you know, when you play through the game the first time, it's fine to get a full party. But this is our second time. We want to do Lone Wolf because you get, you basically, instead buffs. of getting four characters, you get two in your party. And it it's this really interesting thing where every every time you put a point in, a tri in an attribute, it's two points instead. So you get, you kind of scale with the content to a faster degree and it feels better it feels smoother but also and you, you get more action juggle. points which feels a lot better yeah. instead of doing like one maybe right. two abilities per turn you get to do three or four you also don't have to juggle two characters amongst yourselves you know which is isn't bad but it's kind of ugh. it's this is my main character i made and this is some rando that follows me around <laughs> like yeah. it's, and i control them it's you know i definitely like lone wolf better yeah, absolutely. It feels more like an RPG in that way. Uh, I like it. I mean, I, I kind of want to go and see what my elementalist character would have been like if I had done Lone Wolf. I mean, we play mm. with a lot of mods, too, for more AP and more sprint speed well, and added classes it. and it you know, it. other stuff. Yeah, it does it, need this it. This is... I, I don't know if there's games out there that's like it, but at this point in time, I feel like RPGs like that should have a whole lot of customization on the rule sets of the game. 
because it's essentially D and D. It's essentially tabletop D and D, and you're the player, and the game is the D the DM, and the game creators are the DM in terms of making the story and setting up the rules. But as is with any D and D campaign, the people who start playing it typically adjust the rules that they don't really enjoy or something like that, and everybody accepts that as okay. There's no like enforced. Well, that's rules why there's there. mod support. Right, that's fine, and I I'm cool with that. But I think as a standard, more games should just. And I'm not talking about like allowing you to do some really deep system changes. I'm just talking about like you know the number of AP you have, or the start, or the max number, or stuff like that. You know. Well, just, I think a good solution a would have just been six to eight or something like that. Take away one of your default action points at the beginning of every turn but you get four points that are specifically for movement. Because as it stands, every class has some kind of mobility type spell, like tactical retreat or cloak and dagger. Like every class has one. And it's in your best interest to like put a few points into other classes just to get multiple of those because movement is super fucking important. Yeah, well, this is this is kind of like the old Fallout games where move, everything's based off just AP. Like everything costs AP. And that's, that's whatever. I mean, I agree that a better system would be that the movement is separate, but I wouldn't say just a flat four. I'd say it'd be based off of whatever your initiative is or something like that or actual speed. Well, you have a movement stat. So, I mean, each point will, just like it is now, each point will bring you a certain distance. Yeah, but it still eats an AP up, which is very valuable. Well, and to be fair, when we were playing the first time, the rogue actually had a movement stat so high that she can move for zero in the beginning of the match. Like, yeah, well, there's a talent that does that. Zero. Which yeah, that, normally I'd take, except I got so many movement abilities that I don't really need it. And that, the, the mods help with that, because the mods mirror like the in-game uh, things, and I, I'm pretty sure that's because they don't want to make animations for the mods, so they just take ones that already exist and maybe do a fucking color palette pass on them and change it. And the effects are different, but, you know, it's got to look the same because they yeah. don't want to make animations. So each of those have a movement thing, too. So <laughs> in addition to the Huntsman, the Scoundrel, and the Warfare m mobility things, I got, like, three more in addition to that. Yeah. It helps, especially mm -hmm. as a melee. Oh, yeah. It's fun. It's a fun game. Um... It's fucking long too. Like I'd say, it's it's definitely it's worth the money. Long. It it's like well, a 50, 60 hour campaign. I think that's one of its weak points. Is not that it's long. I mean, RPGs are typically long and should be long. You know, you play a game like Fallout, for example, like the original Fallout games, and a lot of it's randomly generated. Like there are a couple towns on a. You have an overview map that you travel on, and it's literally just. A really low quality map and you click on a spot that's a town which is a kind of a green circle somewhere and you're you're just a, a dotted line that travels to that and anywhere in between your travel points you can run into random encounters which just pop you on a, a map that they made that you know has randomly generated encounters that they set up and you can you know encounter one of x number uh, and that's that adds a lot of interesting elements to the game. And then you hit these towns and there's stuff to do in the towns and they want you to go to other locations. I think the big problem with Divinity is a lot of the game really takes place in three locations. And 
they really draw out your time in those areas. So you kind of get sick of those areas quickly. Well, I think another part of that problem is that the world is static. Like you have all your encounters already set up and waiting for you. And once you do them, nothing else shows up there. Everyone in town is just standing behind a fucking pavilion waiting to sell you shit. So like nothing you do actually changes anything. Like in terms like you can't go into like a new area, get ambushed fucking kill everyone there and then come back, you know, an hour later and find out that people are investigating what happened. Like the world is just kind of dead. Yeah. It's pretty dead. Like we killed some guards early on in the town. Nobody ever investigated them. I mean, if a guard (laughs) sees a corpse, they'll run over and be like, who did this? And if you're too close to them, they'll come running over you and 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 then you just tell them that you didn't. And they're like, Oh, okay. (laughs) You can persuade them or like bribe them. Otherwise they know you did it somehow. Yeah, that's another um, system in the game that's it's not exclusive to this game, but I really don't like it because, like, let's say you steal something, you steal some gear, you put it on, you go to another town or another area, and you get caught stealing, or your friend gets caught stealing something, and you get searched. They will know what is on you that's stolen and fuck you over for it if you don't bribe them or persuade them. Even though it has nothing to do with what was stolen, they just know that that thing was stolen. That shit's got to go. It's not, yeah, like I, I think, said, it's not the only game to do it. Fucking uh, Kingdom Come did it. Morrowind well, did it. I, I think some of the other yeah, Elder, Elder Scrolls, Scrolls did it. Do it typically, uh, I think, I mean, there are certainly, Kingdom Come system is interesting. I see what they're trying to do. They're trying to create a system where if you murder someone, they don't necessarily know it's you, but the information, like, if you become notorious, it try to you know the, the information gets spread around, and if you don't come around for a while, they kind of forget about you. I just think it's too much, I guess, programming or processing power, especially for people who play characters that steal a lot of shit, because you have to tie it to the value somehow. Like, if I steal a fucking potato, right? Like, no one should fucking know that potato stolen. That shouldn't even count as stolen. But in my Playthrough of Kingdom Come. I went and stole the... Uh, I don't remember the guy's name. It's the guy you go hunting with. It's a sword, right? You stole yeah, a sword. Yeah, it's like him. the best fucking sword in the game. And I fucking stole it. And, you know, something like that, people would know. Like, oh shit, the guy who, like... Yeah, is... you're wielding his sword. Where did you get this sword? Right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's got somebody else's initials engraved on it. Like, <laughs> but yeah, then, like, some like people that. wouldn't know or some people wouldn't care. And then, what is it, a proximity thing? Like, it's a lot of programming that goes into it. So I get why yeah, they I do it that it. way. But they should really err on the side of you don't get caught instead of the other way around. Because it's really fucking annoying, especially for someone like you who's probably decked out and stolen shit. Like, if you ever get caught, you're fucked. You just well, I mean, lose all your say, gear. Let's say I'm walking around, you know, in a town... And I have that sword on my back. They're not going to know it's that sword unless I pull it out and show it to them. You know, I don't. I just don't like the systems where guards would just always randomly come up to you and like, "Hey, you got a stolen item on you." <laughs> like, how would you fucking know? Yeah. I'm okay with like. I mean, I don't remember which Elder Scrolls did it, but it was Oblivion. But the guards wouldn't fuck with you. But if you went up and talked to them, they would be like, "Wait a minute, I know you." Right or like you would get close to them and be like, I feel like I've seen you before. That that's a good system. Like if yeah, you walk well, it too also, close to guards and shit, they kind of start to get like a little bit of what? <laughs> I mean, and that's why I think in in Oblivion you get that um, how's it the gray something mask, mask of the gray yeah, mask something, mask of the gray fox. 
Yeah, it basically creates an entire second identity for you. So you can commit all yeah. your crimes with the mask the on gray fox, yeah. and then take the mask off and you're just free and clear. That's a fucking brilliant system. But they need to make it not like a fucking, oh, you did all the Thieves Guild, now you get this reward. Like, that should just be a system. Fucking disguises. That'd be awesome. Could, yeah, disguise systems are very rare in games. It's very strange. <clears throat> I'm excited. I'm hoping that that's why Elder Scrolls 6 has taken so long, that they're actually going to make some pretty significant changes, because let's face it, they changed some of the uh, the leveling systems between, like, as Elder Scrolls has progressed, and, you know, the graphics are better. The, well, they kind of regressed into Elder Scrolls 6, or 5, rather, but... I mean, I liked it. I mean, I play Magic it's users, good. so I, I liked mean, it. There was some regression from Oblivion, certainly. Like, the, the lack of creating your own spells. Yeah, that was a big uh, deal. Not a huge deal because mods, but if you play on console, then you're limited. Yeah, but I'm not, you know, I, modding is great on PC. It's wonderful, but I prefer the game developers to do some shit. Cause every time I mod a game, I feel like I'm not really playing the, the, the intended version. Like, I'm, you know, if you, if you play, you, you can certainly get new magic in. Elder Scrolls Five, but it's some magic that some guy has, you know, thought up yeah. on his own. Well, I mean, a lot of it's interesting. Sometimes it's but... overpowered or broken or doesn't work very well. Sometimes it's great. Well, it's been yeah. a while since I've used Skyrim mods, but here's the problem with mods, especially in Skyrim, is like you get these new spells that are like, oh, it puts this debuff on them, and then when you do this other thing, it does this and it reacts, and you know, there's synergy yeah, with to make the it debuff. Way too complicated. Yeah, but it's way more effective just to fucking kill them with fire. You know, like, yeah. why yeah. would you do yeah. all that unless you're just like intentionally gimping yourself? Well, that is also one of the problems of the Elder Scrolls series. Is as a mage, typically you're very underpowered throughout the whole game. Uh, not in, in Oblivion, but in Skyrim you were because well, everything not in worked differently. You could make spells like you. you well, you, your you spells also you... scaled with your stats, which yeah, it doesn't do that. Like once you get to a certain level in Skyrim, you just you get a new spell. Yeah, so you end up never using those cool like flamethrower hands and shit. Well, like, that's the thing is like they start out as flamethrower hands, and then at like level twenty, you get flame wall, which is flamethrower hands again with more damage, except the fire sticks to shit. And also yeah. does damage when they run through it, but it's it's, it's good, a lot like vanilla WoW. How the shit feels weaker and weaker as you get higher level. Yeah, and that kind of sucks. And uh, and there's well, that's, also that's there's a mod though. that fixes that. <laughs> and with that mod, everything feels great. You can use whatever you want. But I think the reason they got rid of um, the creating your own spells was because I used to do this. You can combine things, and one of them was drain life. And drain life is like a temporary health loss unless you kill someone. So it's really, really cheap to make, and it's really, really cheap to cast. So early game, you could just do drain health for one second on target, 100%. Or not 100%, 100 points, which was the maximum. So you get a really cheap spell that just one-shot shit. And then, like, later, you just always tack that on to whatever other spell you're making. I also think the Elder Scrolls needs more Pursuit of Power quests and things like that. Like, I understand balance and the need to have people feel like it's not too easy to go through because there aren't really difficulty settings. I mean, there are, but all it really does is increase the health of the mobs or decrease them. And it always feels cheap to do it that way. I want to gain power by doing things. Like every time I, like when I played Skyrim the first time, I played a mage, which I typically don't do. I typically do like, you know, Brotherhood stuff or. Uh, you know, rogue or yeah, something. Yeah, that was like actually that. that class was really good in Skyrim. Actually, the yeah. stealth 
archer thing. Yeah. So I played a mage, and my whole concept the whole time was just I want more power. And it felt like they didn't have those kind of things available. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you become like the head of the college, and it's like, oh, great. It really doesn't afford you anything new in terms of spells or power. There are some. Um, Morrowind did that but... right. The the only thing is that the the whole combat system in Morrowind is kind of fucking terrible. But Morrowind, let's just dive into this for a minute. You <laughs> could do anything as a magic user, right? Like, yeah. it's, and if you have enchanting, you can take your gear and put permanent enchants on it, right? So you could actually get, there's this effect called Sanctuary, which is basically your chance to dodge. So you mm -hmm. could just put if you had a lot of money and you leveled up your enchanting, you could put um. Sanctuary a certain percentage on multiple pieces of gear until it's a hundred percent and just never get hit by anything or chameleon and just be invisible all the time. But since it's not invisibility, it's chameleon, you could still do shit. So you could basically use magic to do anything in that game. You could use magic to just destroy things, you can use magic to summon a bunch of armor and weapons, you could use magic to go invisible and stealth around and never get seen. So magic was great, except for the system sucked. Like, your mana didn't regenerate. <laughs> at all. Yeah. But even on oh. console versions, there was cheat codes that would make certain stats regenerate. Like, you just hit pause and type in a button combination. And, like, your mana would regenerate. Your health would regenerate. So that was still, you know, on, in the days of cheat codes that made it okay. And that's mostly where I played it was on console. Because I was 14. I just remember jumping everywhere and gaining fucking ridiculous... Acrobats st stats and athletic stats. Yeah, well, that's because uh, th that's open to cheesing the system. I mean, in, in theory, it's great. Like, yeah, the more you use something, the higher it levels. But then it's like, oh, well, <laughs> you're telling me if I if I jump, that's what levels up my acrobatics. But <laughs> it also gimps you because it's like 10 level ups in a skill and your overall level goes up. So if you're like level 20 in all your combat skills, but you're level 100 in acrobatics... All of a sudden, all the enemies are really strong, and you still suck because all you've been doing is jumping around. Yeah. But that's kind of... jump away, though. Yeah, right? I mean, do you remember how high you can jump in Morrowind when it was maxed yeah. out? Well, I've, have you seen the playthroughs where people, like, immediately beat the game because they just go outside and eat a potion? <laughs> like, yeah. It lets them jump over everything? Ridiculous. It's hilarious, too. But, I mean, you know, Divinity kind of shares in the Elder Scrolls thing where there is a lot of openness to what you can do with your character. Uh, you're, you're not limited. You pick a class in the beginning, but it's really just a template. Uh, you can uh, like right now I'm playing uh, uh, like a huntsman with a crossbow. At any point, I could drop the crossbow, respec uh, and pick up daggers. I could honestly right now probably even use daggers or at least a spear. I'd be a little gimp because I haven't been putting points into two hand, but well, you can uh, you can always respect those points. You can also just use magic at any fucking time, regardless of if you like, as long as you put points into the magic so that you can learn it. You can. Yeah, just, I mean, there's you know. there, you're only limited by how many points you get, and the XP is limited, so you can't really do everything. You have to respect and kind of choose. It, it kind of gives you enough points to kind of have your main spec followed by, like, an off spec. I don't know. Like, I'm going to have to, next time we play, respec and take away some of the abilities I have, move back out of the magic stuff. I get to the point where I'm playing and I have all this damage and stuff, and then 
I'm like, well, what if I had fortify and went for when we need it? Or what if I, I always want to have these spells in case we need it. And then I have them and it just takes up space and it's like convoluted, but you don't even need spells because you can craft scrolls and find scrolls and just use those as magic. You know, they're so, still based on your intelligence, so they don't do a whole well, lot of I damage. Know, but I'm it. talking about like teleport or something like that, you know, utility, more utility based yeah. spells. Which, I mean, you don't even need that because every class has mobility options. Yeah. I mean, I don't miss teleport. It's kind of awkward to use. It's very awkward to use, especially now that you have like all these jumps, right? <laughs> yeah, you just fucking go there. You just go there, yeah. But I, I did, I'll tell you what, playing in an elementalist, I felt like I, like I always had the right tool for the job, right? Like you have to devote a lot of points into memory so you can learn all these skills and stuff. But... Like, when you have every element, it feels really good. You're like, oh, what's this guy resistant to? Oh, okay, well, don't use that. I got all this other shit to do. And there's a lot of utility there. But, you know, yeah. like I said, lots of points in memory, which is why you should get a memory mod if you're going to play this game, because otherwise yeah, you're just dumping really way too many be, points into it. What is it, two points per per memory by default? Yeah. Yeah, we have the one that gives you four. It's really necessary. Like, really. Yeah. Uh, because memory gives you nothing else <laughs> other than, like... Because, let's face it, like, right now I'm playing a, a two-handed melee character, and I got a lot of shit that I don't need, but I have it anyway. Yeah, I'm gonna, like I said, I'm gonna pull that back next time we play, probably Tuesday or whatever. I'm gonna kind of pull that back. Although we might need to start getting into uh, Evil Within or something. I don't know. We'll see. Kind of want to finish. Well, we gotta at least finish this current playthrough. I mean, that's only another week or two, and not even what two. What is this about? Maybe uh, a week. Resident Evil Eight. Uh, well, they were talking with the developers, and they basically confirmed that there will be a Resident Evil Eight, and they're kind of starting to work on it. And there's no details yet, but Resident Evil is my jam. So I'm already like, yes, more, more Resident Evil. I prefer grape. Grape. Grape jam. <laughs> raspberry. You also Only one man would dare give me raspberry. <laughs> <laughs> Lone Star. Okay, so so uh, yeah, and apparently there's like a what? Never mind. This is retarded. No, forget it. I was well. Something. Here's what I want to see out of Resident Evil Eight. I want him to stick with first person. I think if they want to go back and do third person, they can keep doing remakes and stuff. But I want to see another first person game and see what, where it goes. And I think they will because they usually, you know, they stuck with fixed camera and then they stuck with over the shoulder. So I don't know why they would just do one first person game and then back out of that. But they're all talking about like the overarching story and where I'm, what Umbrella is and what Chris is doing. And honestly, I don't fucking care. I don't want to get after their track record. I don't want to get invested in the story anymore. I'll get back to that. But. Mm. what i want to see him do is more of these isolated stories right they kind of touch on this overarching thing that's happening but it never focuses on that like i like the idea of being trapped in a mansion or a police station and you gotta get out you know well, really even kind of a city if you think of re2 it's you're really kind of trapped in the city you know well more um, so resident evil 3 resident evil 2 you start in the city and yeah, then true, for the yeah. first 20 minutes and then you never get to go out again resident evil 3 they kind of turn the city into the mansion, which is weird because it's like a city like you'll never see in actual America, right? It's like a bunch of like walking 
areas. There's like there's restaurants like that are like down an alleyway there. that you can't like park at, and there's right, like just right. bikes and shit. Like who rides a New bike? New York. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a really weird city, but it's uh it's kind of cool. But the thing here here's why I don't really care about the story. All right, so you play Resident Evil One. And picture you don't know anything about Resident Evil, and you might not know anything about Resident Evil. Uh, spoilers ahead, by the way. I mean, 20 years old, spoilers, but whatever. I think we're past the statute of limitations on spoilers for Resident statute Evil. Statute of limitations. <laughs> but, so you, you, all you know is that you're part of this, you know, elite police squad, and half your team went missing, and you got to go in and find them. You get attacked by dogs that seem really aggressive, and then you're just trapped in this mansion. And the story's never really laid out for you. There's a handful of cutscenes that kind of explain stuff, but you mostly learn through reading files and like visual storytelling and like, what the fuck is this place? And by the end, you know, you get to the lab and you piece together that Umbrella is doing illegal uh, research and they accidentally created zombies while they were trying to make this super weapon called Tyrant. And, you know, there are some intentional monsters like the shark thing and the dogs, but the zombies were an accident. That was just like, Oh, we got exposed to the virus we're using. And then you escape and that's it. Right. And then resident evil two takes place a couple months later. Um, that like destroying the mansion, it didn't get contained. So dogs started biting hikers and started turning into the zombies. And eventually that spread to the city. And then it just blew up from there. Resident Evil 3 is the same thing, only they instead of introducing new characters, they bring you back to Jill, who you played in the first one. And it's her story about how she escaped. And you meet this Carlos dude. And if you get one of the specific endings, Barry comes and rescues you. So at the end of Resident Evil 3, you know, you're, it's also like, oh, you're okay. You're out of the city. That's the story. And Raccoon City gets nuked. And, yeah. and that's it. And, you know, Umbrella gets blamed for it, as they rightfully should. And then the next one is Code Veronica which is Claire from Resident Evil 2 trying to find Chris and she gets the lead that he's on some island. She goes there, gets captured and turns out it's an umbrella training facility and they all got exposed to this virus too. So zombies. <laughs> and then part two yeah. of that game is uh, you play as Chris coming to rescue Claire because you heard she was looking for you. <laughs> so whoops. And uh, yeah. And then the island blows up at the end. So at the end of all these games, everyone's like, we're going to go to Umbrella. We're going to take them down. We're going to go to their headquarters. Yeah. And then you waited and waited and waited for a new Resident Evil game to come out. And it comes out with Resident Evil 4. <laughs> and it's like, oh, yeah, Umbrella's gone. Uh, zombies are gone. Uh, here's Leon from Resident Evil 2. He works for the president now. And you're just looking for the president's daughter. And go. It's like, well, what happened? Like, the whole the first fucking seven to ten years of Resident Evil games were building up to going down and taking down Umbrella. And then you just, ne it never happens in game. Nope. It's just like, oh, okay. It gets well, all crazy and shit. It gets all franchisey. Yeah, basically. And uh, they actually do kind of put it into a game. If you play uh, the Wii game, Umbrella Chronicles, which is like an on-rail shooter for the original Wii, you, you do see the, um, the takedown of Umbrella, and it's really lame. It's like a fucking Time Crisis game where it's all like this sterile white, like lab environment and you basically walk in kill a few things go into this giant missile silo kill this super tyrant guy before they launch the thing and blow it up and that's the end of it which is fucking stupid it's such a cop-out and it's in a, in a game that no one played i don't even take it as canon fuck that what i take as canon is you know back after resident evil 2 came out they released a bunch of comic books 
like serious comic books where like the paper is glossy and everything. And I, I have them. And one of them is actually the team going to Umbrella and taking them down. And it's like this old ass castle with a bunch of like puzzles and shit. Like, yes, that would have been a great game. Like picture the mansion, but like 10 times bigger. And instead of just having two characters to pick from, you got like six, right? And they all have these intertwining storylines like Resident Evil 2. Like if they just made Resident Evil 2 mixed with Resident Evil 1, but just bigger and better, that would have been the perfect Resident Evil 4. But instead they went for this like, oh, we're a shooter now. Yeah, well, I think the problem there isn't necessarily that they wanted to make a shooter or something. I think it's like they started with a good story. You know, zombies is everybody's done a zombie story differently. I think like the Rage Virus is pretty good in the the Days Later series because uh, it's it's kind of technically zombies, but you know they run and they're it's it's not really like well, they're also not dead realistic. and they don't eat people. Yeah, so not it's really more realistic. Zombies. So you, well, you get the cool concept of like. They can starve to death because they're not actually eating or something. You know, if you you think about like the introduction of 28 days later, dude wakes up out of a hospital and he's walking around. He walks to a church and he finds them just kind of all dormant, just kind of slowly dying because there's nothing to eat uh, I or, or to attack or whatever. Well, they don't eat, but whatever they don't, there's no one to attack. So they're not freaking out. But, you know, you get like the zombie thing where it's like a Romero thing. It's like, oh, it's like supernatural. But then you get kind of the the in between that where it's zombies, but it's, you know, it's it's a virus or something like that. And this is kind of a cool concept. It's less realistic because, you know, fucking decayed flesh or whatever, walking around and still working. But you got to suspend the disbelief. But with Umbrella, I think one of the cool things has always been the idea of some mega corporation working with the government because you get these already with DARPA and things like that and they're you know trying to create super soldiers or something and they end up fucking up and releasing this virus and it gets out of control and uh, I even like to some degree that they have a militant branch of Umbrella that tries to fix their mess or, or hide it or cover it up yeah. that's that's really cool, but I think they jumped the shark and went way too far out with the concept of like, you know, now they're just like totally cool with making zombies and shit. It's, well, that's the part. That's the part about zombie games I don't really like is there's too many special infected, right? Yeah, like that's well, I why like no the one tyrant concept. Oh yeah, there should be a few, but they should be like mini boss or boss fights, not just yeah. sprinkled into your other enemies. Like I'm all for all enemy right. variety and shit, but like. I, I want to kill zombies like Resident Evil started as a zombie game. And the appeal to that is that, you know, it, like one zombie isn't really a threat, but it's not really about the threat. It's about you can't you don't have the ammunition to fucking kill all these things. Right. Like well, you got to decide. Yeah. And it, it's like the whole world versus you. Basically. Yeah. But it's like you're in a mansion. You have to, like, learn the layout. Right. Like which which areas am I going to be like backtracking through over and over again? Because those are the guys I'm going to kill. If it's just a room you're going to go in yeah. once, pick up an item and leave, then it's like, oh, well, I guess I just won't kill these ones. And it's also a, manage, a matter of balancing your inventory. Like, if you have a lot of health and not a lot of ammo, then maybe don't kill the zombies. And if it's the other way around, you have not a lot of health but a lot of ammo, then fucking like kill the zombies. The idea of zombie dogs and zombie birds, because it would make sense that a virus was being tested on animals first. So it's capable of jumping or something like that. I mean, I'm not an expert in that kind of shit, but it, 
from a, at least a layman's perspective of game playing video games, it, it, it feels like it works. But like the liquor concept and stuff, cool enemy, cool design. But story-wise, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Like you know, if it was an accidental outbreak, like you're supposed to. Be well, the liquor wasn't accidental. Well, I know that, but, but that, that I feel like that's kind of the start of them getting a little too crazy with, oh, they were making all kinds of things that like. Why would they be making mindless creatures? To well, kill they were experiment. The whole so idea weird. for the at least the first, like I don't have any problems with anything in the first two games. Not really the third game either, but it's they were basically experimenting, right? Because yeah, the, the, the zombies were an accident. Everything else came first. So like, the the first thing I think they were trying to do, and I could be wrong about this because I don't <laughs> I don't remember, but I think the original thing was like the tyrant, and then when the tyrant failed, they're like, hey, let's inject. Uh, let's inject like frogs, and that's how you got the hunters. And they're like, "What if we just inject it directly into living flesh?" And that's where you get the liquors from. So they're just like trying all these different species. Well, I'm fine with it, that, but there's too many of them, is what I'm saying. Like, there's way well, too many. Like, when I, you go into umbrella complexes, it's fine because hey, they broke out and they were in there being tested on. But I feel like liquors became too abundant in well, the series. Well, you, you saw them in five. They were only in <laughs> Resident Evil Two and Resident Evil Five. And yeah, there was way too many in five. There's no real reason for them to be there other than just a fucking fan service. Yeah. You know, but in two, it made sense. It was only like, I don't know, probably 10 or 15 throughout the whole game. And they would like, they could fucking kill you in one hit if you, if you didn't have full health. I mean, they were a pretty significant threat. There's some cool concepts in the series too, like Albert Wesker basically being the example of what the T virus is supposed to be, I guess, like where he's super powerful and shit, but he's not mutilate like mutated to the point where he can't control himself. Yeah, and that's pretty much the goal creature. for every one of those bosses in the game, like Marcus and Resident Evil Zero. Yeah. And uh Alexia and Code I'm Veronica. Cool I mean Alexia basically was stuff. like Alexia, like, because later in the story, they kind of retcon it and say that Wesker was created in a lab specifically to take the T-virus. And I'm pretty sure they stole that from the movie with Alice. <laughs> but Alexia wasn't, like, created to house the virus. But she found out that if it, like, it was in her system and kind of took over slowly, she would maintain control. So she basically injected herself with the virus and then froze herself for 20 years. And then when she came out of it, she was, you know, the final boss of Code Veronica spoilers. Yeah, but I think uh, I, there's some stuff in six that's fine, like uh, people that want to get their hands on the virus and inject themselves and it backfires or something. That's kind of cool. I do think <laughs> that those kind of concepts work, uh, but I think they did go a little too crazy in the umbrella big evil corporation trying to dominate. The problem the with world six thing. is that the scope is too big. Like Resident Evil doesn't work on like a worldwide yeah, scale. Yeah. That's true. Plus, I mean, even if that was the only problem, it would still be a good game if it was, like, still up to the standards of quality of the other ones, but it wasn't, it just wasn't as polished, it didn't really look as good. Like, there's a lot of transitions in that game that don't work, where the game, like, takes control of your character to show you a cutscene, and then gives you control back, and then you walk two steps, and then it rips control away from you again to show you something else, and it's just, That's it's a just lot of bullshit. That's just development incompetence. Yeah. Uh... They they went a little too ham on the uh, the scale, trying to make it too. They tried to make it epic, which uh, that's not. I don't think you do that with zombie games. I think no. I think you have to because it never ends well. Like, I mean, there's no zombie story seven. that ends with like, oh, we found the cure, yeah, and it's over. And I think seven <laughs> is a great example of 
you know, this why they everybody loved Seven because they brought it back to a small scale accidental outbreak kind of situation. Yeah, you bring in, you know, some kind of branch of umbrella that's trying to clean up, which I I like that better. I think that's a return to form where umbrella's working with, you know, the BFA. Well, it's also not the same umbrella and, you know, whatever, but I don't even but really care about that. I mean, you know, I'm curious, but that's not what Resident Evil 7 was was all about. It was about just the small well, scale story. Well, I know there's got to be there's there's also probably some uh, I said B I said B F A and then B A it's B S A sorry B S A A B S A A yeah there's two A's in there I knew there was two A's so I, I kind of like that though I like even if it's like a, not really a retcon but like a maybe there's even some kind of underlying sinisterness to it with them working with the B S A A I think I, I kind of like that concept. Honestly, yeah, it's a mystery and it's interesting. Like, wow, what the fuck, you know? And you don't really learn anything about that from playing the Chris story, also, by the way. But yeah, but I mean, the the one good thing that they're doing with seven now, and I'm hoping for eight and beyond, is that like that whole Resident Evil Six timeline is just like behind everyone now. Yeah, you know, so like, there's no worldwide threat, but there's still gonna be these isolated outbreaks where yeah. these people get sent in, and I want to see those isolated outbreaks. You, you know, know what? maybe, maybe, maybe we, maybe we needed six in order for that to be possible, right? Well, the the, the weird thing is, is if you read that article about the Resident Evil Eight that's, that they're talking about, um, they're like, yeah, Resident Evil Seven sold over five million copies and was their fifth most successful Resident Evil game. So Capcom's actually come out and said, like, look, at this point, Resident, we know that Resident Evil is going to make us money. We're not worried about making the most money. We're make we're worried about making a good Resident Evil game first. We know that we're gonna get enough money back. And I'm like, wow. <laughs> you know, and they put their they put their money where their balls are, you know? Like they made Resident Evil 7. It didn't yeah. do as well as Resident Evil 6 or Resident Evil 5, but it was a much better game. And they're gonna keep making games like that. So good for them, you know? It's like yeah, yeah, we could we could sell seven million copies if we made Resident Evil Six the sequel, but fuck that because no one liked it. Well, it's also I, I think Seven success is a lot of small scale stuff going on, and but I you know yeah we needed Six. I don't think we needed the game Six. Maybe we needed like the backstory Six, like uh, it spread across the world and became a big problem. The outbreak was never contained. That's I, that's fine. I'm kind of okay with that. With you know you. Because RE4 and RE5 are are a little airing on the ridiculous side, but they work still because it's like little isolated areas where maybe Umbrella's got sister corporations or something that's doing stuff. And that's believable. But six was a little too fucking crazy with just just running around the country with Troy Baker. Well, I mean, it it fucking... They they came out before it was released and were like, hey, we're trying to do a little something for everyone. If you're a fan of like the original Resident Evils and killing zombies, then we got Leon's story. If you liked Resident Evil 4 and 5, we got Chris's story. And if you liked Resident Evil 3 getting chased around by Nemesis, then you got Jake's story. But none of them lived up to any of the, you know, gameplay styles that they were trying to yeah. copy, you know? Yeah, it was just characters. <laughs> like the characters... Well, I mean, I see what they were going for, but they all kind of played the same. Like, Leon's story was still too shooty, you know, and it wasn't polished right. But, I mean, they stuck with, like, like, hey, Leon has driven this car for 10 seconds, time for him to crash it. (laughs) Oh, he's in this helicopter for 10 seconds, time for him to crash it. 
Oh, God. That's so great. The fucking zombie just pokes his head in the windshield, and Leon just cuts the wheel left and right and flips the car for no fucking reason. What an idiot. <laughs> Jesus Such a bad driver. Yeah, a little jumpy, Leon. <laughs> oh, God, what do I do? Crash the car. <laughs> yeah, so Chris's story also, you know, wasn't as good as Resident Evil 5, and then Jake's story getting chased around by whatever the fuck that thing was. Still not as threatening as Nemesis. Because... Nemesis you could kill, and you never knew when it was coming, right? Like, well, you couldn't really kill Nemesis until the end, spoilers, but... Well, he seemed indestructible. Yeah, he seemed indestructible, and you didn't know that you could kill him until you tried really hard, and you probably didn't have enough ammo for it. So it was kind of like this wild card, like you never knew when you were going to get in a fucking boss battle. And you don't have to fight him until the very end, but if you play on normal or hard and you actually kill him... then you you get like all these bonuses like you get a uh, a first aid pack so you can stuff three first aid sprays into one inventory slot you get gun parts you can make an upgraded handgun and at the end you get uh this thing that you can combine with any weapon to get unlimited ammo for it so i mean there's pretty significant rewards if you actually manage to to kill them but you have to basically only kill nemesis and nothing else in that game but well it's fucking creepy though because you played through the first Resident Evil, and back then that was horror. It was scary, you know. Like it, it, it would jump scare you and shit. And then you play like these days we need it in first person and shit for full immersion. But and then you play through the second one, and it's a little more open, and it's getting a little more. It's it's less because it's you know you've already dealt with a lot of these things. And then you hit RE three, and it's like you're this woman, so you already feel a little, you know. Well, it's chill. So I mean, it's I know like... it's chill, but you still like if you play through Resident Evil One, she's not like this amazing badass. I mean, they certainly try well, to. Well, she's make not. Her out she's there. not even the weapons. That, like Chris was the marksman. Yeah. Right, she's, and Jill she's was the, the master uh, of lock. Yeah, she was like the lock picker. Yeah, uh, and then you're in this city, and it's like RE2, and it's it feels that way, and then you you just you're getting pursued by this fucking creature that just seems indestructible, and he. And it's not like a segmented thing where like a cinematic plays and there he is and now you got to run down. Yeah, a lot of times you don't even see him show up. All you hear is a door slam and stars. You're like, oh, fuck me. And the crazy part is, is like in every game up to that, (laughs) enemies never go through doors, right? Yeah. So here's what happens in Resident Evil 3. You get to the police station, you're like, oh, shit, it's like Resident Evil 2. Here we are. And you go into go into the. You know, you go into the door and all of a sudden there's this cutscene where fucking Brad gets murdered. Yeah. And you're like, oh, fuck. (laughs) And then you run into the door and you're like, okay. Or you try to kill him and die. And then you try again and decide to just run away. And you're like, okay, we're in the police station. We're safe. And he doesn't come through the door. And then you go through like two other doors. You explore a little bit. And it's another familiar area from Resident Evil 2. And all of a sudden he just jumps through the fucking window and starts chasing you around. And then you run up the stairs. You go through the door because you're like, oh, just run away. And you run through the door, you get out of, uh, you know, that camera perspective to where you can't see the door. And then you hear, cocoon, stars. You're like, fuck, this motherfucker can go through doors. What the fuck? Nowhere is safe. Even these days, when you get segments, chase segments, it's like scripted shit where you're in a hallway or on a, a long area where you have to run away. That game was, you're just literally in areas where you play and this motherfucker comes out at you and through shit. And it feels dynamic. It's still scripted, but at the time it felt so dynamic. Like, well, there's also go anywhere he wants. You you get as a kid, you don't understand that. Oh, it's game development is scripted and shit like that. 
Well, some of it's random. A, so like well, in, I know. on different playthroughs, you'll be like, all right, Nemesis comes random. through right here. And we understand <laughs> as adults now that like how that works is it's going to randomly decide if he comes through a door or something. But as a kid, you're thinking he's just out there walking around. <laughs> like yeah. He's, he's up. It's like he's a thing. And it feels more alive and more serious, and that that was really well done. Yeah, but the the uh, thing is that flags. Resident <laughs> Evil Three was supposed to be like an expansion to Resident Evil Two, and Code Veronica was supposed to be the Resident Evil Three. But because Sony had a deal where three Resident Evil games had to come out, they made you know Resident Evil Three, Resident Evil Three, and that's why it feels like a smaller game, but it's way more replayable, I think, because like. There's certain points in the game where you get to make choices about like, do I jump down or do I jump over? Do I push him off or do I jump off myself? And on on additional playthroughs, there's certain parts where you're like, all right, Nemesis is going to come through this door, so I'm ready. And then he just never does. It's like, oh, okay. And then an, another time when you're not expecting it at all, the, there he is, just fucking randomly there. And a lot of it has to do with the choices you make. So it's, a, uh, I don't know, Resident Evil 3 is probably one of my favorites. You know, and then they come out with like revelations, which is like, okay, obviously no one liked six and stuff. We're going to go back to the slightly more survival horror stuff with characters, you know. So you get revelations one and they fucking release it on 3DS for some reason. And it's on there for like a year and a half. And by the way, the, the it's the best Resident Evil game to take place on a boat right after Dead Aim and uh, <laughs> Gaiden. <laughs> so yeah if you're if you're into that but when it came to console and pc it definitely feels like it's a 3ds game like you just tell like the view distance the limited environments there's not a whole lot of places to go so but it, despite that it was pretty good and even though the enemies didn't look like zombies they behaved more like zombies like they kind of shamble and the whole 3d thing actually helped when it was on 3ds it was it was just kind of, it was novelty but it was kind of cool and then Resident Evil Revelations 2 came out, and that game seemed like it was more, like, focused on raid mode. Like, they wanted you to play raid mode endlessly, which is fun. It just gets pretty old pretty fast. You know, well, that's the multiplayer regression of video games. Well, I, I mean... That's during that time. I, I kind of hope raid mode makes a comeback in Resident Evil 2 or something, because, like, the concept of it is... I mean, it's like a raid, kind of, where you just endlessly level up and get I mean, better weapons. And it's like a looter shooter kind of thing, but but then they tried to make like a PvP game, and it was if I can oh, yeah, Umbrella Corps set a giant balls on them to try and do some shit like that. Yeah, and they even came out and said this is going to be our esport, and everyone knew right off the bat. No one wanted it. It wasn't very well made. I never played it, but game developers stop making your games as an esport. Let communities decide. Okay. Yeah. It will happen if your game is esports worthy. Gamers will decide. To play it as an esport, then you can back it, okay? Otherwise, you're putting money in a shit that doesn't need to exist yet. I mean, the concept was cool. actually the concept of Operation Raccoon City was awesome. Like, here, here's the problem with Operation Raccoon City: it retconned the fucking story. So you got this third-party developer saying, like, "All right, this is going to be like a Left 4 Dead kind of thing where you need to escape the city," and everyone was like, "Sweet, Resident Evil Outbreak was awesome." But Outbreak you played is just random people, right? You get to, like, pick, I'm the cop, I'm I'm the nurse, I'm the, the bus driver, whatever. And they all have specific skills, and you got to work together in an old-school Resident Evil type of way to solve problems and, you know, the puzzles and shit and get out of the city. 
The problem with uh, Operation Raccoon City is that you're playing as characters like Leon and shit. Yeah. Right? Like, not all the time, but, like, you're directly intertwined with the characters from the main game. And, like, there's a point where you fucking kill Leon. <laughs> you get into this fucking firefight, and he takes, like, a thousand bullets to kill. It's like a fucking divinity. Uh, not divinity. Jesus. Uh, division. Division. Yeah. And, and you fucking kill Leon. And it's just, uh, <laughs> And it wasn't very well made, but goddamn, if they had made, like, the it has the mechanics of Resident Evil 6. And I say six because of the rolling shit and all that. <laughs> plus the Raccoon City aspect. Plus you never encounter anyone from the main game. And it's just like a Left 4 Dead kind of layout where there's different chapters where you have to get out of places. Plus puzzles. That would have been fucking awesome. And that's what everyone thought it would be. And it's not what it was at all. Plus the gunplay felt like shit. It's one of those games that just feels like thin when you shoot it like the bullets uh, yeah. seem like they go through things and they Resident still take Evil damage but those never no really back. had the shooting mechanic great till oh, seven, four and I five think. no four and five did four and five are okay well remember they're also from like 2004 so yeah. for its time seven i mean resident eight. evil 4 basically eight. invented the over the shoulder thing and the precision aiming like oh if i shoot someone in the leg they're gonna you know Go down on one knee, and then you can. Well, follow that's just up. Japanese people being creative and actually taking the time to do it. You know, you get that creativity in a Western office. They're like, "What? Wouldn't it be cool if you shoot them in the knee and they go down?" And the fucking game dev leader is like, uh, "No, we're not doing that. We're not working <laughs> towards that. We got to work towards our esports uh, division." Yeah, Jesus. Put that work in our esports division. No, but I mean, Resident Evil Four, even though. A lot of people like it. It's not one of my favorites because it kind of does away with everything I loved about Resident Evil. And even though people are like, oh, it had a great atmosphere and it was still creepy. And I'm like, not really. Like, it was on GameCube. So, it, like, the shittiness of how it looked was kind of distracting, you know? Everything mm. looked muddy and washed out. I, I don't take that as atmosphere. Resident Evil 7 has atmosphere. There's a lot of contrast and really dark areas. And Resident Evil 4 just never really had that. It was just kind of like brown and gray everywhere. It's a fun game to play, too. Like. Yeah, yeah. And it is fun. But the whole time... Uh, like the first time I played it, I actually rented a GameCube and the game and a memory card, and I couldn't I mean, put seven, it down. Sorry. Oh, a well, fun game to play. No, four is fun, but the problem is that like the whole time I'm playing this as a hardcore Resident Evil fan, like age fifteen or whatever, I'm like this isn't Resident Evil. Like the whole time I was like blown away by how good the game was, but also blown away about how different it was. So yeah. like it's this weird thing where like yeah, it's a. It's a good game, but it's not the Resident Evil I wanted. And then they stuck the with that. Is the real problem in that game? Yeah, it's, you get. <laughs> it's not you're you're like you're supposed to in a zombie game. You're supposed to shoot them in the head because that's what's running the body is the brain. So you want to shoot them in the head, and it, it's it's a reward because it's the it's one of the smallest parts of the body that you can see, and so shooting it is you're rewarded for your accuracy. When you play Resident Evil 4 and then you shoot something in the head and it's like, fuck you. Now this thing's much stronger and you got to waste more bullets on it. Yeah, It's actually I mean, better to not shoot them in the fucking head. It's ridiculous. Well, so they kind of mitigate that by like, here's flash grenades. And flash grenades, after their head explodes and the monster comes out, like one flash grenade will take care of them. Yeah. So, I mean, there's ways around it, but I mean... Shouldn't be in the it's game. again. It's it's a lot of it is because it's just it's a GameCube game and it was the you beginning of been, a new style of. It would have been gaming, better but. if the Las Plagas comes out of their fucking chest or something. If you shoot them in the chest instead of their head, 
Like yeah. that's the well, also it, it forces you to switch weapons a lot, and you have to constantly go into your inventory. Yeah. Like at least the old Resident Evils, where you still had to go into your inventory and stuff. Like you never really had to switch weapons on the same enemy, right? No. Or if you did, it was like you walk into a room expecting zombies and there's fucking lickers or hunters. And you're like, oh, switch to the shotgun. You know, but a a lot of Resident Evil 4 is like, okay, zombies, headshot, headshot. Oh, there's more zombies. Uh, Switch to a shotgun. Multiple headshot. Oh, they're all plagas now. Back to the inventory. Switch to a fucking grenade. (laughs) Throw the grenade. Back to your inventory. Take out your pistol. You know, it's like a lot of pausing and going to your inventory, which Resident Evil 5 fixed. Which yeah. I mean I don't I don't know why people don't like five. Five is a better version of four, one hundred percent. One hundred percent. Better graphics, cleaned up gameplay. I don't know. Maybe they're all changed the mechanics. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was the argument, right? Like, is this what you think people in Africa are like? No, this is what we think fucking zombies are like. <laughs> why do you care what color well, they are? What does that even mean? Like, this is exactly how people in Africa are like. <laughs> like, what do you mean? There's towns where they're kind of semi-civilized, and then there's fucking villages. Like, what are you talking about, people? This is reality. I mean, that's a no-win situation. Like, thank God that that game didn't come out this year because, oh, Jesus. Wait, you're just killing black people, and you think Africa is just a bunch of barbarians and shit. Okay, well, we'll make them all white. No, that's whitewashing. You're not representing Africa. Like, okay, well, fine. You don't get the game then. That's exactly what it would be, 100%. If it, it's it's a no-win situation of whiny fucking children. It's like, I, I, I say this all the time on subreddits. I'm constantly fucking putting shit. They're fucking children, man. You get, like, you even have, like, celebrities and shit, like Alyssa Milano or whatever, just standing in a fucking room chanting shit. Like, what are you talking, what are you doing? You see him walking down, one, two, three, four, we don't want Trump no more. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> you you're a grown-ass person. Stop talking like that. <laughs> hey, you're the one who said get out and vote, you know? Clap <laughs> your hands, everybody. <laughs> Let's play patty whack while we're at knick-knack patty whack. Give a dog a bone. <laughs> uh, don't send all the Mexicans home. Like, what the <laughs> <laughs> Like, what is going on? <laughs> Fucking ridiculous. Well, luckily, you know, it just it came out fucking what twelve years ago now, so it's okay. Mm. Yeah, it's I I like Resident Evil Five, uh, and that's not because you get to shoot black people. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, I actually like the co-op. The controls are great. The co-op, play? the co-op sucks if you don't have someone to play with. Like the AI will just stand there. Like, oh my god, it's so funny. It's frustrating, mm-hmm. but it's funny when you're playing with the AI and she's standing behind you and you have hit reaction on. <laughs> Because, like, hit reaction basically makes it you can shoot your teammates. Like, they don't take damage, but the bullets don't go through them. But you can turn that off so it just ignores them. But if it's on and you're in her line of sight, she'll just fucking unload at the back of your head, <laughs> wasting all your fucking ammo. All, like, you're trying to aim, and all of a sudden you just see a bunch of blood come out of the back of your head. I'm like, oh, God, she's so stupid. But playing with a friend is fun. And a lot of people didn't like it takes away from the horror. It's like, are you actually getting scared by these games? Like Resident Evil 4 wasn't really scary at all. And there's also no puzzles. Like, okay, back in the original Resident Evil days, Resident Evil 1 remake is the best example. You would find this shit like, oh, a dog whistle. And you'd have no idea what it's for. And then you'd find like a note saying like, okay, this is where you use it. And then you go and you use it at the right place. You kill this dog. 
you pick up this necklace. You look at the necklace and a coin comes out, it just says coin. You spin the coin around and check it again. It turns into a fake key. And you're just like, what the fuck? But like, you can have all the right items and be in the right place and still, like you can't just hit a button and have it do what it's supposed to do. You have to kind of try things to see what it does, you know? In Resident Evil 4, it started this thing where like, if you have the item and you just go check the door that it goes to, it just brings it to your inventory and uses it automatically, mm. you know? So all you have to do is like, okay, I have everything. Let me go around and try to just click on shit. And eventually that would work. So there's not really any puzzles. And I mean, I don't know. That's just one of the things I really liked about the original Resident Evil games was the puzzle solving aspect of it. Because it's yeah. a weird format that not a lot of people do. Like you think of the mansion as like this puzzle box, right? Like it's a, a singular place. You're not moving from area to area, really. You have like the mansion and then the uh, the guest house and then the labs. And you kind of just go back and forth. But it's like unwinding the house, like, there's only one place you can really go at the beginning, and then you get items that unlock new areas, and those give you items to unlock new areas, and eventually the whole place is open to you, and you can get to the end. And then they just kind of move to this, like, linear-style thing, where it's like, you need to open this door. Go here. Get the thing to open the door. And that that's the extent of it. And Resident Evil 7 brought back the original stuff a little bit, but they need to do that more. More puzzles... Bring back the zombies and basically inject that into Resident Evil 7 and call it Resident Evil 8 and I will be happy. That's why I'm still hyped for Resident Evil 2 Remake, you know? Yeah. I'm hoping they bring all that stuff back. I'm sure they'll mm -hmm. bring it back to some extent, but I don't want to like be, I don't want to pick up all these fucking plugs and then be like, okay, uh, what do I do with these and just click on shit until it works. Force me to use my brain. How many of the Resident Evils have you played all the way through? Well, we almost played all of them, right? Except for the shitty ones. <laughs> well, I'm asking you because I don't, I don't know. Well, I think we did one. We did. Uh, we couldn't do two and three. We did the the remaster of one. Um, we did zero to some degree. I don't remember completing it, but maybe we well, did. Well, it doesn't make a very big impact. We did Revelations we did. 2, but not the first one. Uh, and then we did... I've played through 4 on the Wii. The Nintendo Wii, when I was in Malaysia. Uh, had nothing to do, so I sat there and completed all of Resident Evil 4 on the Nintendo Wii. It's really um, fun on Wii. It was pretty good. Uh, and then I played 5. I owned it on the PlayStation 3, I think? Was it the 3? I played yeah. that um, single play by, like, by myself, and then I played it again with you. I don't think I ever completed it, though, when I played it by myself. And then I played it with you, and we completed it. And then we did six, and then seven. Yeah, uh, we definitely got to find a way it. to do two and three before the remake comes out. We yeah. did one that had raid mode. I don't remember which one that was. Yeah, that was Revelations 2. Okay. Yeah. Well, Revelations 1 had it, too, but we didn't play that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> they put a lot of time and effort into raid mode. I kind of feel bad not playing it more, but <laughs> it's just, it's weird. Yeah, like, it, you could tell that it, it was like the B team making those games. And, you know, they did a fine job for a $30 game or whatever, but it's tough when there's Resident Evil 7 out in the world now. Mm -hmm. Oh, pardon me. 
So yeah, what else can what else do you gotta say about Resident Evil? <laughs> they need to bring back the the horror, keep that going. Settle yeah. for, you know, eighty percent success <laughs> in terms of money making. What well, it sounds like they're doing. And uh, you know, I hope Resident Evil two makes a lot of money so they'll make Resident Evil 3. I'm still holding out a little bit of hope that since Resident Evil 3 is kind of its own self-contained thing that they'll just add that into Resident Evil 2 remake after you beat the game. I think uh I think 100% it's going to sell good because we live in this age of like everybody thinks that they are entitled to play every game that comes out and every game's made for them. It's like this weird it's really weird. It's like it's hitting I guess it's not strange if you really think about it. Video games are kind of hitting that movie stride where big blockbuster things are really consumed by everybody. Like a big blockbuster movie comes out and everybody goes to see it. Whether they're yeah. a Marvel fan or not, they go to see the Avengers. And I think that's happening in games right now. Unfortunately, it leads to people suggesting that the game should be tailored towards them. And I hope that goes away. But uh, you, you get a lot of like streaming's a popular thing as well. And you get a lot of people that I'm pretty sure Resident Evil 2 is going to be streamed by a lot of people that don't even typically play Resident Evil games. Uh, and then on top of that, you get the whole everybody wants to play it because it's a big announcement. I, I think they're not hyping it up enough, though. I know it's That's too far a out. remake. Well, it also doesn't need it. <laughs> it's hyped well, enough. I think it needs to be hyped up as, as a standalone game. Like it needs because it's a remake it's not just a remaster i think they need to hype that up a little bit more i mean i think everyone uh, knows that i mean they already well, did it on resident evil 1 remake and just looking at it you know that it's a remake and not a remaster well you look at resident evil 7 a lot of people played that and you, there's this interesting thing that happens with horror games especially of the first person variety where when a big triple a horror first person game comes out like outlast or resident evil 7 or, and you know well, amnesia wasn't really triple a but you know, Soma. People play these games uh, with intent to watch other people play them as well. You get a lot of like eyeballs on games like that, where you, people go around like, "Oh, I want to see how this person played it or how this person reacted to it." And you know that 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 really stems the popularity or really boosts the popularity rather of of the game. Um, I mean, I don't think anybody would give a shit about Amnesia if it wasn't viewed by so many people so often it's not an amazing game well it was stretch. yeah it's not it, it was good but it came out at a time where people wanted survival horror and there wasn't any resident evil was moving away from it for in favor of action by the way so, i prefer resident evil 7 system better where you start out defenseless and then you gain strength uh because when it comes to horror there's a lot of rules you have to obey and a lot of people get this wrong like um, you can't show the creature that is pursuing you, like the the, the enemy. Uh, if you're doing a monster thing, you can't show it because one of the most horrifying things as a tool, one of the strongest tools you have as a horror maker is the human imagination. You know, you put something in the shadows, darkness, things like that. It freaks people out. Like sounds of footsteps. I remember... I don't remember what game it was that I was playing and you could I think it's amnesia. There's a lot of like footsteps down footstep sounds above you in places all the time. That might be a machine for pigs, I don't remember, but 
you'll walk around and you'll hear like footsteps above you on the wood in the, on the floor. And you're, it's obviously a sound that's playing, but you, you for a little bit, your imagination runs like, is there a fucking creature in this game that's just walking around and shit? And I'm hearing it. And that kind of freaks you out a little bit. And when I think with Resident Evil 7, obviously they did like the crazy family thing, which is kind of yeah. like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre stuff, which is, just, you know, you can show right away that kind of stuff, but they still have monsters in that game and they don't show you the monsters. They kind of hide them from you early on until you you randomly run into them in the basement. You know, you get into the basement, you think, oh, my God, I'm safe from that fucking family. And then, boom, you get these creatures, which honestly are easier to deal with, but it still freaks you out because there's a lot of them. You know, it kind of <laughs> adds that zombie element to it. And um, I think uh, more games have to understand that and be more subtle and start subtly like that. Like, oh, you know, you are defenseless against this thing that's pursuing you or this enemy that's in the area, and it forces you into a, a hide-and-seek mode uh, where you're trying to move around stealthily or just run past them or what, whatever approach you want to take. And then later on, you start getting access to weapons, and it kind of ramps up as you go. Because eventually, in a video game, unless you have a short video game, you just really... I think this is where... Well, you have to up like, the stakes somehow by the end. Right. Well, this is the problem with Alien Isolation that people have. I love Alien Isolation. I think it's great because I like Alien movies, and it kind of carries that for me. Uh, but I will agree that there's too much hiding in lockers and shit like that because you, at least in the beginning, until you realize, until you learn how the alien behaves and how you can manipulate that, it starts, it's it's a pretty difficult game because you're moving so slowly all the time because it's 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 the perfect predator that has like these heightened senses and can hear you run. If you start running, you're just fucked. It drops out of a vent and just knows where you are and comes after you and kills you because you're you're making noise so you're you're walking or or crouching everywhere and you move so slowly that it's almost impossible to navigate your your way around the the levels and with this thing's patrolling areas and you're trying to like okay it walked over there it's got its back turned now i can go around this corner but you move so slow you're like oh god i'm not gonna make it you know yeah <laughs> it feels kind of grueling and slow at times when you do it that way, so you, you find yourself relying on like noisemakers and shit and throwing them and distracting it so that you can walk casually through areas, which is a little bit faster than, than crouching. And yeah, eventually you get a flamethrower that scares it off. And you, I think it's good that you never really, I think you could have taken, taken alien isolation and made it to where eventually you have a weapon that's capable of killing aliens. And maybe you just up the ante by adding more aliens. And that works. And you kind of see that in Resident Evil 7, how that works. You're dealing with the father early on. He's indestructible. Even when you get weapons, he's indestructible. But, he, you know, they, they cool that off by having times where he dissipates into the background. Like, you know, after the garage scene, you don't deal with him for quite some time until you get upstairs. Then after the upstairs scene, you don't deal with him again for quite some time until you, you know, make it to the, the, the boathouse or whatever it is. Dock well, you fight him once, like, in, in the basement well, you or fight something. Him in the base yeah, you fight him in the basement and later but when he comes back later he's just a boss so and and they i think that's the proper way to deal with something like that and while also increasing your your power and upping the ante like oh it doesn't matter how good your guns are when you're when you're dealing with this fucking guy yeah you know he's he's coming at you no matter what 
but you know with the the mundane enemies you you can get that that break up and it breaks it up nicely from survival horror feeling like you're weak and nothing to hey i i can just obliterate these fucking zombies in the basement no problem it, it makes it it kind of breaks that up like a normal good horror movie would be it, you got moments of tension and then moments of like safety and oh relax and calm and you got you got to have that savor that. music yeah save <laughs> <laughs> Suzu, you. I fall asleep to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Red I'm Dead really excited Red to play Dead more Redemption. Resident Evil during our horror month. I just, I yeah, really want to go black and go back and play two and three, and I don't go know black. how. I want to go black and never uh, go back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Resident Evil is going to be fun. Resident Evil month is going to be all of December into January. It's going to be great. Me happening, having a good time. We're gonna. We might play some stuff during horror month. Like seven technically is a horror game, so we might dip into that for some I don't know. We'll see. We'll talk about it. We'll figure it out. We got a lot of shit to do. What is this Red Dead Redemption shit? Uh yeah. The horses have testicles, no testicles have physics. <laughs> and people That's it. are concerned about this. I think they're just pointing out that it's there. You know, honestly, at this point, I feel like the problem is, is this game is so close and people are so hype about it that they just want to talk about anything. They Yeah, this is from the trailer video, right? Like there's oh, my God, IGN slows the video down. <laughs> so you can see the testicles wave back and forth. Hey, you Bro, wanted this realism. Is, this is so this is a, it's not just a rock star thing, but this is a reality that's just going to happen. You know, people who make models and games and shit, these artists, they're always trying to make shit more realistic, you know, so it's only natural. Um, yeah, it I looks like a good game. Are, I get that people are weirded out by it because it's a sexual organ, but it's on a horse, you know, calm down. Yeah. I used to have a Dalmatian. Uh, well, the family did. We used to have a, a, a Dalmatian that was. You know, these are bird dogs. They're they're very lean and they're designed to chase down, uh, you know, your your hunt and shit like that. Collect the bird for you and all that shit. Uh, and they're very they the dog was always muscular. You know, just fucking muscular. We used to he would every time he'd go out his two times a day he'd just run a figure eight around the 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 end of the property that we we had. And, and he just was lean as fuck. And he had this set of balls on him that were just gigantic. You know? And I remember like people would always mention that. Like they'd say something about it. And I'm just thinking like, why are you talking about this dog's balls, man? <laughs> what is wrong with you? Well, you, you know, to if be I known, was, Bill Burr said I, that, right? You know what I haven't seen in a while? Balls on a dog. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, if I were to drop my pants in front of you right now and just my balls are out, you wouldn't say anything. You'd try to look away. But you're just wanting to when make a look away. And I'd say ball. something. <laughs> you put your balls away. Well, maybe you might say something like that, but you're not going to be just talking about it casually. Is my point? You're not going to be like, "Man, look at the balls on that guy." <laughs> look at the physics on those balls. How they swing. It's like, why do we care at this point? Oh my God, there's there's a butthole on that fucking animal. Yeah. So what? I think it's more that you put it in a video game. But I mean, yeah, I can understand. Why wouldn't you? I mean, yeah, yeah the artist, uh, our, artists, our fucking audience is, uh, you know, mature enough not to laugh at 
you know, subtle ball physics. So here, well, here's the concept. <laughs> let's say, uh, let's, let's get an anus, for example. Like, a, you know, there's there's plenty of games where, look at Metal Gear Solid. Metal Gear Solid Five. your horse can shit and it has a gameplay mechanic to it because Kojima is God. Dude, fucking uh, the the enemies in Doom, the original Doom, had buttholes. Those fucking flying like orb demon things. Okay, but I'm just saying. I'm like, just saying for this new. example. For this example, you have a horse that actually takes a shit at your command, and it has a mechanic to it. Like there's a reason for it to do it, and the horse's tail comes up and it shits. Right? Uh, is it more realistic or less realistic to have an anus on that horse? And how many, how many complaints do you think it gets to not have an anus on that horse? Does it take you out of the immersiveness to see the horse's tail come up and there's nothing there and then shit just appears out of it versus an actual... Like, what do you want, right? <laughs> this is what we have to decide as gamers. Do what we kind want of anus immersion? do we want on our horses? We, what level <laughs> of immersion do we want? Do we want just nothing there and, and poop comes out? Or do we want the anus to be there and then like the fucking anus widens out and the shit comes out i mean i never used the horse so it's <laughs> the best creature in the game man fucking silent ass this, no 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 this is an important issue what level of anus do you want when the anus should be there in video games let yeah, us know exactly. in the comments yeah tell us <laughs> tell us what, what you level think do about you want? horse anal do you want just a little fucking <laughs> textured butthole there or do you want like a do you want bump program. mapping on your do anus? You want bump, do you want a 3D fucking... Do you want it to be a fucking 3D thing where it widens out and opens up and gapes as a fucking turd And where do you draw the it? line? How many frames are you yeah. willing to drop to have actually modeled buttholes instead of just textured yeah. How much is it going to take you out of it? You know what I mean? Like, how much is it going to pull you out? Is that what you think? This is where the, we're going. We RTX. want as much detail as possible. RTX on, RTX off. What are we talking about? Yeah. <laughs> Look at the shadows on the anus. When it, <laughs> when it opens up, you can see the shadow on the anus. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, that's it. There's, there the wasn't anything. Is, I just wanted to point out that, that there's testicle physics in Red Dead 2. Here's, here's the problem with Red Dead. Okay, I'll play it. Uh, but it's not going to be on PC. I'll play yeah. it when it comes out on PC. We don't even know if it's going to come out on PC. Yeah, they we? said it was going to. Just, you know, not yeah, yet. Yeah, well, there's no reason why it wouldn't. <laughs> Look at the success of GTA. There's no reason not to put it out on PC eventually. Game comes out in October. We're going to be busy with all kinds of shit. Yeah. I never played the first one. No, that's a lie. I played the first one for about an hour. First one was a huge fan. Story's pretty good. I, well, I mean, I just don't really like Rockstar games. Like, I like GTA Five, but that's the first GTA game I actually was able to play all the way through. Well, okay, so granted, comparative to GTA, it's a whole nother uh, ball game because GTA has the allure of cars and things like that, um, and gun and the. I I think. Well, I think I'm just I not never... accustomed to like Rockstar's system, so playing like Bully or playing uh, Red Dead, I can never play more than an hour because they're just always throwing information at you, like in just in the top left corner. And it just, it's overwhelming. And I'm like, I, I don't have the willpower to commit yeah, to I this. Understand that. Well, if you look at Grand Theft Auto V, the real draw to that is the story is actually interesting. Yeah. Know, bouncing around between characters. Uh, that's that's something they never really had until Grand Theft Auto V, which is why Red Dead Redemption 2 is probably going to be just as great. And the RDR older GTA games never really played story, well. And the, and the old GTA games had G decent stories. 
RDR one had a really great story, and like you said, it's just overwhelming because there's so much to do. It it plays like an RPG where you got a long ways to go before you get to the end game, you know. Uh, and which I mean, it's not just that there's too much to do. It's that if you're up. not used to how Rockstar presents this information to you, or kind of like the pattern they use, well, it's me, like let me spoil. It's got to draw you in and like immediately to get you to commit to learning all that stuff. So spoilers up here for Red Dead Redemption One. If you've never played it, go play it if you plan on it. Uh, uh, real quick on the gameplay, I never really liked cowboy shit, and then I played Resident Evil One, and it got me kind of into the whole Western thing. It was actually really what, cool. Resident Evil I, One. No, did I say Resident Evil? Sorry, Red Dead Redemption. Sorry, we were I on. No, you're hype. So you're hype. It's fine. <laughs> we were on it for so long. <laughs> Red Dead Redemption One, and I never was really really into that kind of stuff. And then I hit that, and I think the gunplay's good in that game. I really like using like revolvers and shit. Uh, it doesn't feel gimped. You, you use you use a rifle and all that. The gameplay isn't that great. It's kind of old and buggy and not super well done. But the story is actually really good. Not in the beginning. In the beginning, you don't really understand what's going on. You play John Marston, who used to be a, uh, a uh, an outlaw that ran in a gang. Uh, the gang was kind of taken over by some other guy that used to run with you. Um, you, you start off, you're being commissioned by the government, the feds specifically. I, I don't know what group they're with. They just call them the feds in our... In, uh, sorry, in... Uh, G, uh, U.S. Marshals. God damn it! What's the name of the developer? Fucking why can't? Why am I blanking on the developer's name right now? The, their games typically have like feds. They don't say like what they are. You know, in in, in Grand Theft Auto, it's the it's feds. FIB. Right, FIB, <laughs> but they still just call them feds. Yeah. Uh, in this game, you, you're you're kind of you're gonna go to jail or some shit or prison if you don't do some shit, right? They want you to do some shit, but you play John Marston who wants to get out of that. Like he married a whore. Like, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those situations, like it's some whore that he used to see all the time when he would go into a town and he, he took her away from that and, and rescued her from that with his, you know, the, the money he had from shit. And he built a ranch house somewhere. And it's back in the West where you could just go out somewhere and say, this is mine. And, and just, <laughs> you know, build a ranch house and, you know, whatever. Uh, so he builds this ranch house and he's got a son and his son's like a teen, like an early teen, like a 13 year old or 14 year old, something like that. You know, not, not even really that old. He's this is back when when you hit 13, you became a man by doing a thing and you were pretty much for all accounts a, a fucking adult. And you had 15 year old cowboys going around doing adult shit and having jobs and all that shit. It wasn't like today where it's like 18. Um so you got Chances are you'd be dead like, by 18 in the wild west. Yeah, you had a kid that's like maybe 10 or 11, and you got this wife that used to be a whore, and then there's this older guy. I, I don't know what the relation is. Maybe he's an uncle or something, but you all live at this this ranch he has, and the, the government comes to you and he's like, yeah, you want to keep having this life? We know who you are. We know what you did. If you want to keep this life going, which he wants to be out of the whole criminal business, we want you to do a thing for us. So they kind of commission him. They don't really deputize him or anything, but they commissioned him to go after his old gang members. So he goes down in, I think it's Mexico. I'm not sure. It might be on the border because the game map does have like, it's kind of like southern, southern Texas area. And then there's a river. And on the other side of the river is Mexico. So the game takes place in two locations like that. Uh, you get shot by the gang member in just the worst, stupidest fucking way ever. He literally just walks up to the front gate of this fort, this Mexican looking fort. And the guy talks to him on the wall and then ends up shooting him. You recover from it, and you have to do all this stuff leading up to eventually going and finding this guy and killing him. 
when you kill him, and this is the story actually starts to get really good. When you kill him, the the feds betray you. They come to your uh, your ranch that you're now supposed to just be out of the game. They come to your ranch with a large force of feds. Uh, you end up having to fight them, fight them off for quite a bit. You get, you end up in the barn with your wife and son, and they get the barn surrounded. So he like has his wife and son sneak out the back and ride off, and he's going to distract them while he does it. You walk and now the game has this system in it called Dead Eye, where it like this meter fills up as you kill people or shoot people and shit, and uh, you can activate it and it slows down time and you kind of put your crossers over things and it marks up targets up to as many bullets as you have in the gun. So you walk out of this place and you're surrounded by like with like twenty to thirty feds, and he walks out and he's you know he knows that he's gonna die. And you get this moment where Deadeye activates and you you pop off and you you kill about maybe 10 to 15 dudes or something like that. <laughs> or like maybe 8 to 10, depending on what gun you're using at that point in the game. Because you can get up to some of the guns that have like 8 to 10 rounds in them and shit. You know, some of the experimental weapons of the time. Uh, and then you die. You die. John Marshall is killed. But the game continues. Like, that's the end of the game. The credits roll and everything. But just like all GTA game, the game continues. But you don't come back as John Marston. It's it cuts to his son at the grave where the father was at and the mother's grave is right next to it. And the mother had ju has just died and the son has grown into a, a teenager. And you continue the game from that point as the son to wrap up anything you want to do. And you wear the same outfits. The animations are the same, but it's clearly his son. It's voice acted by the guy that plays the son. And you can actually, there's a, another mission you can do that's kind of a hidden mission where you can track down the Fed, the, the federal guys, the two like guys that were in charge of the Fed at the time, and kill his ass. You can forgive him or you can kill him. And he's like down in Mexico somewhere or some shit, like living. As so who do you play as in the second game? You're playing as the son? You're playing as a different guy completely. You're playing, oh. it's, but I think it's like it's, some time has passed. So John Marston is probably going to have a like a, a little... Easter egg or something. But one of the cool aspects is they actually released DLC for Red Dead Redemption, uh, where every like it's apocalyptic in time zombie shit. Okay, every <laughs> like yeah, it's it's great. Like it's it's zombies, right? <laughs> it's fucking amazing. So there's like every there's it completely changes the game. All the areas that you've been to, there are people there trying to survive, and there's like zombies roaming out in the wilderness and some. The, you know, all these quests and shits you have to do where you defend towns and help them and shit. And there's actually like apocalyptic horses because horses are the mode of travel. One of the aspects of it is you can find the four horses of the apocalypse. You can hunt them down and tame them. And the, the game has like a taming system where you, you approach a horse and you lasso it and then you, you hold on to it. You jump off your horse, jump onto it, and then you have to tame it and then it's yours. You do this for the apocalyptic horses too and they all have like special abilities and shit. And one of them is like the fastest one and one of them is like got a lot of health and does a lot of damage when you trample people and shit. So there's a lot of cool shit, but you don't play as as the son. You play as John Marston. But you as don't play as John Marston. He's he's a zombie. The beginning of the DLC starts with showing the two graves and it's like in the future beyond his kid being there, like and he crawls out of the grave and you play as zombie John Marston. He doesn't even have lines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You don't talk to people. Uh. <laughs> it's fucking great, man. It's really well done. They did a great job. Like John Marston comes back to the grave to save the world from the apocalypse. It's it's. Fucking Was he a great. special zombie? 
Are all the other zombies, like, are they sentient or are they just, like, actual brain-dead zombies? I think they have a couple types of zombies. There's a lot of brain-dead zombies, but I think there might be, like, one or two variants, like, spit shit or something. I don't know. Like, because they wanted to have ranged enemies still be a threat because you're using guns, right? Uh, yeah. But most most of them are just on foot. And they're running zombies, you know. Uh, it's just, it's a it's really well, it's really well done. I don't think I ever finished the DLC, but it's it's actually really good. It's actually really well done. Yeah, so, I kind of hope it comes out on PC. Well, Red Dead <laughs> 1 will, will never come to PC, unfortunately, yeah, because the game was apparently a buggy fucking mess. Maybe they'll remake it one day, but <clears throat> I hope RDR2 is just as good. They're talking to, it's definitely got some of the aspects of it. There's like animal hunting and shit. You know, um, it does have a cool little thing to it that most GTA games don't have, which is in, in Resident in RDR1, you kind of have. Uh, <laughs> in Red Dead Redemption, you have like pouches, which allow you to carry stuff like. Uh, more money or you know kind of like a what, what game does that i'm trying to think of a game that does that where you know you kind of have to increase i guess far cry it's got like that far cry type system where you have pouches that carry money and things like that and you have to increase the capacity on those and you do yeah. that by hunting animals in red in red Dead redemption um and of course it, it goes all the way up to legendary animals that you hunt that are you you hunt Bigfoot in Red Dead Redemption One. It's a it's a quest line. Yeah, you actually hunt down a Bigfoot and you can kill it. <laughs> and, and I think it even talks to you. It's like tries to be sentimental or something. It's like it's it's crazy. There's a lot of funny shit there. Chupacabra. You hunt down Chupacabra. All kinds of cool shit like that. So I hope they bring more stuff like that in RDR two, and it's not too serious. But it looks really cool that some of the systems they're describing. Rockstar is one of those companies that they may be scumbags when it comes to trying to make money for their game, but they do a lot of innovative things with their games. Yeah. Um, yeah. The systems in that sound really interesting with like the 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 kind of a nemesis system with uh you know the other outlaws and shit. I hope you play as an outlaw in this game the whole way through and there's no like, hey, you're a cop like too many games do that shit where well, we don't want people playing as villains. We want we don't want to glorify that. Fuck that. Every GTA GTA game you play is like a criminal. In RDR one, you were an ex criminal that was trying to go straight. I want RDR two to be you're a fucking gang leader, and I want that to be incorporated throughout the whole game. They do have a thing where you can build up like your camp or something like that. Like you have a camp, like you you and your boys camp. I really hope that's a thing where you're always rolling with a gang, and and. You know, you have to deal with like people trying to like maybe recruiting new people or people trying to overthrow you or shit like that. That would be really cool. Uh, they did have a dueling system in RDR one, which is going to be back in RDR two, and gonna be cool. <laughs> yeah. So PC release is to be determined, but yeah. you know well, that'll be good because usually, be the, yeah, well they'll release it with all the DLC and it'll be good. Just play They'll it all the way through it with a first-person mode to force you to have to buy it again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, well, that's longer than I wanted to spend on Red Dead, but that's enlightening. It sounds like a cool game. I kind of wish I had stuck with it back when I was playing it on 360, but whatever. Yeah, too well, late now. Yeah. Well, so real quick, uh, this week in WoW, there wasn't a whole lot going on. Um, there was that developer Q and A that sucked. 
basically yeah. it was a cop out like hey we realize that there are some downsides to azurite powers and man it's a downer anyway and that was it <laughs> it was basically it they're gonna fix what they can not give a shit about the rest and fuck you uh, there's a hot fix next Tuesday of, that uh, are doing 5% damage here, negative 5% damage there, and fire mages apparently are fine. So, fuck me. Well, they're giving fire mages 5% per, damage. Yeah, here. that's not it's, the that's problem. Just not though. Enough. It's not enough. Um, it's really... It's, they need to do more. Apparently, uh, one, oh. One thing I can tell you is that this <clears throat> coming looks pretty bland. There's yeah. not a lot in it. Unless you raid, enjoy the new raid. Um, but what was the uh, the thing about island expeditions? Like, yeah. okay, so island expeditions. People have finally figured out how to get loot from it, and it's by <laughs> losing. Yeah. Like, if you go in and kill as many named rares as possible, you increase your chances of getting, uh, like, mounts and loot and all this stuff. <laughs> but by doing that, you don't get enough Azerite to win the match. But it doesn't matter, because if you... Let's say you're playing on normal, right? And you get 5,000 Azerite and the other team wins with 6,000. You still get to keep that 5,000. Mm. At least it contributes towards your weekly thing. But uh, if, you, if, you, if you're still out there and you think that Blizzard knows what they're doing in terms of game development, look at Island Expeditions. There's two things with different rewards and they're completely at odds with each other. Yeah, they're really dropping the ball right now. Like, uh, I think one of the biggest issues they're having is this kind of uh, excuse making that they're doing. Um, it's just not a good idea. I don't think well, Ian's like going to be at the top for long if this keeps up. Well, I mean, it's really going to be judged by how much money the expansion makes, so... Well, Even if it sucks little, and it still makes money, then I was that's in the a camp success. of people that when I heard Battle for Azeroth, you know, you have Legion, and I knew that we had to be doing something interesting, and then they do this Battle for Azeroth thing. Uh, granted, now, okay, it's fine, because it's, <clears throat> you know, it's one of those things where just a front for an old god expansion, but... <laughs> The systems in this game sounded pretty boring in the beginning. Yeah, and then they reassured everyone that they, they wouldn't be. They reassured they wouldn't be, and it's wrong. Just fucking wrong. I mean, I wasn't hyped at all from the beginning. Because I knew it was going to be PvP-focused. And it still is, even though you can do PvP-type things as a PvE kind of thing. The PvE isn't great. Warfronts aren't great, island expeditions aren't great, so really all that's left is what's always been there, fucking questing and raiding and dungeons. Which yeah. I'm okay with, but now there's really no point to doing them because the gear that you get really isn't... I mean, there's a point to raiding if you're into that and you know that many people, but God, after that one raid with Billy's Guild, I don't know. I don't know if I want to do that again. It's just not fun. I don't understand it. People... Like, I've been raiding in this video game for 15 fucking years. It's the same thing over and over. There's no new mechanics in these games, hardly ever. It's usually recycled mechanics over the past 15 fucking years. And it's just the same thing. You go into a, a dungeon. It's just like a dungeon, but it's bigger with more people. You fight a boss for, like, six fucking minutes. It sucks as a caster minutes. because you're constantly worried about 
moving. It's just boring. It's so fucking boring. It's like how you're hitting the same fucking three abilities over and over and over for five minutes on the same creature that does the same three abilities in a rotational effect or and, and, and the phase change so one ability changes or two ability changes and what happens at the end you may or may not get a loot drop and then you do this for several hours several hours going through this shit it's fucking pathetic that they have not figured out a better system but you know what the shame is is they've thought they found better systems Things like war fronts and island expeditions are better systems. Even to mythic get pluses. Loot. Mythic plus, yeah, it's a mythic plus should just be the raid replacement. There shouldn't be raids anymore. It should just be mythic plus. That I should mean, be. I know there's people who like raiding. I mean, you can keep raiding, but make mythic plus have. You can have just as reliable equivalent shit. gear. You can have world bosses and shit. Now, I feel like they shouldn't do. I I feel like raids should go away. In the effect they are, or at least cycle them to something else. Like every patch having a raid that's the same shit from previous systems is. I don't know how people do it. I can't wait to raid. Yeah, you can't wait to play the same thing you've been playing over and over. Like there's nothing new about it. There's nothing new. It's just looks and shit. Like how interesting would it be if the the new raid was the Warfront? Like talk about the next raid that's coming in the next patch is going to be like something never before where you're fighting the other faction. Well, that's not uh, that's not true. It's going to be just like a raid. It's just fucking faction NPCs and faction bosses. That's all it's going to be. Now, imagine, however, that the next raid is the Warfront. Like, you go in with a pre-made group, uh, or you have the Raid Finder version, which is what we currently have, or you go in with a pre-made group and it's difficult, and you have to actually work together to get resources and defend the keep. Not this Zerg bullshit. Like we have right now where it feels like a raid finder thing where people are just off doing whatever they want. But an actual thing where you have to coordinate and defend the walls from attacks and they could put more effort into it because they're not building a fucking well, raid. In an ideal world, time. that would be more fun. But in, realistically, people are, are going to want to do it and they don't know enough people to do it with people they know. So mm -hmm. it's going to be a fucking shit show. Because you won't no, be able to. It would, it would just be like a raid, and you'd have the raid finder version, and then and then other versions that are more difficult. You can have a raid boss that pops up in, in one area, and you have to go defeat him. You know, like each tier is separated by a raid boss for pushing into the the enemy's territory, and every, and maybe they have like a couple raid bosses that assault the location like that. That could work. They could do that absolutely. And warfronts feel almost. Like it was supposed to be something like that, but they they just didn't go through with it. But then they were like, "Well, let's you, let's let's recycle this into a system in the game," and, and they could absolutely do something. Like that. And each boss has a chance to drop something in the last. And then you don't have to have this fucking bullshit where it's the same mechanics because you know most of the raid is instead of clearing trash, you're you're dealing with respawning enemies and waves of enemies and shit like that, like. I mean, honestly, I kind of hate myself for still playing this game because I feel like I'm going against my principles, but I feel the need to play because I'm like, oh, I got to grind out that rep. And I'm just like, why? Why do I need to do that? It's like, well, I want to get that gear, but why? So I can do the stuff I'm already doing, but easier. <laughs> well, I, mean, War I feel like I'm missing out if I'm not playing it. That's a bad spot to be in. Yeah. It's kind of. It's, it's just not rough. rewarding not, anymore. I mean, it's no. Yeah, that's the real issue. Is there's, it doesn't feel rewarding at all. Nothing about it feels like, 
you're getting anything from it when you complete something even if you get a piece of gear it's like uh, it doesn't feel like the investment was worth it mythic when we did mythic and mythic plus in in uh dungeons in legion it felt great it felt good you were with a small well, group of people that you, you enjoyed you didn't feel like you were you know well you came through to like it it wasn't something where like you you know, you're competing against 10 to 15 other DPS people just to get on a fucking meter in the top 10. Like, you feel like you're actually contributing and, and making a difference in these AOE pools or, or like the bosses. And it's it, it's arguably more difficult because there's less people and, and I there's no second healer to pick up the slack of the first healer or something. It felt great. It felt good. And that's what this game should be about. And and raids should dissipate and and really become mythic dungeons, and then you can have your large scale things be warfronts that have varying difficulty levels and give you loot. And we can stop with this raid nonsense where they're trying to come up with like different mechanics and have like these bosses that look. I'm okay with things. raids being an option for people. I just don't think you should. That should be the end goal for everyone. I think you should be able to get. All that loot in different ways. If you don't like or don't want to yeah, raid, well, we both agree. I like. I, I'm. I never want to. If people like raiding, genuinely, I don't want to take that away from them. But at the same time, I don't really fucking like raiding, and that's the only way you're gonna get all that fucking gear that you want. And that's really why you play the game, right? You don't even know yeah. why. You're just compelled to get more gear. And they make it so fucking hard. They fucking drip feed it to you. And they're like, if you want this gear, you're going to do it this way, or you can go fuck yourself. Which yeah. I don't agree with. Yeah. Well, I hate to do this to you, but I got to run. <laughs> I Already. got an appointment at five. Well, it's five. Yeah. So you're going to be late. Well, I mean, I got an appointment with the lady that lives across the street that's our real estate agent. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, that's all we really had to talk about today anyway. So uh, I'm Seeker127. You can find me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Seeker127. Also on Twitter and Facebook and YouTube and all that stuff. And uh, uh, who are you again? Oh, the Gabbler. Uh, I got Twitter. I uh, I don't tweet on there, though. I just follow people. But, you know, maybe one day I'll start tweeting about going live on my stream. Maybe next time I stream on Tuesday at twitch.tv slash the gabbler where where nobody comes to watch because um I don't I don't know why. Hey, I mean I have this great system. Between the two of us, AFK, you'll, you guys a, will never find a better Twitch channel with fewer viewers. Yeah. <laughs> we're it's great. The, we're 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 playing the golf strategy right now. You know? The fewest the better. I'm 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 telling you right now, I'm winning. Seeker is losing. <laughs> okay. He is losing to me right now. I'm five over par on average. Yeah. You're dead even. <laughs> Fucking hole in one every time. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it. Well, fun. we'll be back next Sunday for more podcasting. You can find us uh, streaming starting again this Tuesday. Sunday and Mondays are the day off. So Tuesday mm -hmm. through Saturday. Probably a little bit of WoW this week. Uh, some more Divinity Originals in too. And what else? Might be well when we finish Divinity, we're getting into uh, we're starting Horror Month with all oh, uh, right, Horror Month Evil Within 2. Evil Within 2. Neither of us have played that yet, so it'll be an experience. Stop by, yeah, 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 yeah. All right, well, thanks for watching, everyone, and uh, we'll see you on Tuesday. See you later.